Over the last uh, few weeks, we have been looking at inspiring examples from the Word of God. And we've seen the life of uh, uh, several different people, uh, one being Ruth and her selflessness, and what an encouraging uh, person she is, or Moses and his faith. And, and we think about all that uh, his inspiring life uh, offers for us today. And a couple of weeks ago, we started looking at Stephen. And Stephen was a man who had a tremendous uh, message, and he just was able to declare that message so, so poignantly and at, at a very important time. But it seemed like his ministry was cut off suddenly. Well, today as we look at this, we're going to finish up this message. We'll be in Acts chapter number 7 primarily. We were in Acts 6 last time. We're going to look at Acts 7. Acts 6 records when the church was in need, and they, they uh, sought out men full of the Holy Ghost and of wisdom. And as they did so, they found Stephen. And Stephen had a tremendous testimony. And he says, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And we saw that laid out in his life. If you look at Stephen's life, you see that Stephen was a man who literally walked with the Lord. And we talked about what that means to be filled with the Spirit, what the different commands are. And we'll talk about that just as a refresher in just a minute. But we saw he had a spiritual declaration. Right out of the box, we saw that this uh, was what, uh, what he wanted to do was just to have a spiritual foundation in this declaration. And so we're thankful that he was willing to show uh, us what it means to be a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And then we saw what that looked like. In the next slide, you'll see those five things that I talked about in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. He says, quench not the Spirit. That's one of the commands we're given. We're commanded not to grieve the Spirit in Ephesians 4.30. We're commanded to walk in the Spirit in Galatians 5.16. We're commanded to pray in the Spirit in Jude uh, verse 20. And then finally, and probably the one we talk about the most, would be Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit. Those are the commands we're given regarding the Spirit of God. Now notice we never say that you uh, have to be baptized in the Spirit. The Bible never talks about that, just as a reminder here. Uh, because at the moment of your salvation, you receive all of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you thankful for that today? I don't have to come to the altar and weep and cry and pray and say, Dear God, I want all of the Spirit. Because the moment I was saved, I received all of the Spirit. Now, it's a lifetime of being able to yield my life to Him so that He gets all of me. That's what I'm, where I'm at now. I'm in the process of learning to fully and completely yield my life uh, to the Lord, so He has full control. Well, we saw this in Stephen's life, and what a tremendous example he was as we saw his life uh, lived in such a way that he was a man full of faith, a man full of the Holy Spirit, a man who had a great testimony, a man who was willing to, to be used of the Lord in a, in a very challenging situation. And may our desire be that God allows us to walk and talk with the Lord every single day, that we would truly uh, desire the, uh, the companionship of the Lord. And so then we saw after that that this willingness to walk with God cost him something. There was a sacrificial declaration. And if you remember back as we, we looked at this, we see in verses 7 and 8 and following that as he began to begin to minister to the people and he began to preach the gospel, it says that uh, verse number 10, they were not able to resist the wisdom and the spirit by which he spake. Now, obviously, Stephen was a man full of the Holy Spirit. It was the Spirit of God they couldn't resist. It was not anything in Stephen. You know, sometimes I, I think... Uh, I, I sometimes struggle with, with just being able to just say things like I want to, but I'm reminded that it's God that has to do the speaking, not me. It's God that does the work, not John Bingham. And so if you sometimes come to a situation where you think, man, I want to be able to share the truth, but I don't know how, I want to encourage you to trust in the Lord. Well, as he did so, we saw that it cost him 
something. It cost him uh, because they were uh, disputed with him. They slandered his name. We saw that, that as well. We saw also as well that in his life that he, even though he was slandered, even though he was disputed and people brought accusations against him, we fall, found in verse number 15 that he truly had peace. He had peace not just with God, but the peace of God that was in his life. But what an incredible, incredible thing, incredible man of God Stephen was. And we're going to finish uh, just talking about him through the message. Now, as we look at Acts chapter 7, many of us are familiar with the book of Acts. We know kind of what's going on in this, this subject. But in case you don't, let me just remind you. Acts chapter 7 begins with Stephen's declaration. And he begins to really to just pound out the scriptures and be able to, to really share what's truth uh, to those Jews that were assembled there that were trying to bring accusation against him. By the end of the chapter we find that uh, Stephen's body is, has been stoned until he's no longer uh, breathing. And so it's a tragic, tragic end. And we've, oftentimes we look at Stephen's life and we wonder, why would God allow such a tremendous man of God uh, to be cut so short so quickly? Well, hopefully we can get there. Let's look at a few verses together as we just begin this evening. Acts chapter 7, and we're going to look in verses number 1 through 3 as we just uh, begin to look at Stephen's defense here. Then said the high priest, Are these things so? And he said, This is Stephen speaking, Men, brethren, and fathers, hearken. The God of glory appeared unto our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia, before he dwelt in Quran, and said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and come into the land of which I shall show thee. I'm going to stop there. We're going to talk more about this as we go forward, but let's stop and pray this evening. Father, we thank you for this glorious message that's built upon the Word of God. I thank you for Stephen's declaration that he didn't just try to spout off his opinions, but instead he shared truth straight from your Word. And God, would you give us the holy boldness to do the same? I think of our neighbors, our friends, our companions. Lord, those that we interact with at the, uh, at the different uh, places of, uh, of work, employment, or even uh, the places where we shop. And Lord, we realize that everywhere we go are souls. They're not just people in our way, but they're precious people of whom you died for. So as we've heard in the last month, Lord, we heard Matthew 9 preached on three times. I pray that you would help us to see people like you do. We would give us a burden to preach and declare the gospel like you have. And so, God, may you just help us tonight in this regard. May your spirit uh, be upon this place, and may you just allow us to be sensitive Lord, and though our bodies may be tired, may, Lord, you find within us a spirit that's alive and well, seeking and yearning your favor and your will. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. As we look here in, in these verses, and starting in verse number 1, actually verse 2, as Stephen began to preach and began to declare, we see that this was not just a spiritual declaration, but it was a scriptural declaration. He was not just full of the Holy Ghost, it was, but he was also full of the scriptures. And as he goes down through this, and you could take time and read all about it, we're going to look at some of the pieces of it. But as you go down through and you read all of these different uh, 49 verses or so that it deals with this, we see that, uh, that uh, Stephen shares scripture after scripture after scripture. And I started with the beginning, just so you could kind of see where he began. And he see, as he says, he gathers all those groups together. He says, men, fathers, brethren, hearken, listen, listen to the word of God. This is the oracles of God. We are declaring to you truth. And you'll notice that 
uh, here in, in this, this is Stephen's message is, is just full of God's truth, not, as, not uh, anything else but simply the Word of God. And so now, now he's standing before a religious body, and as he preaches, we see the power of the message itself is found in the very Word of God. And if you've ever preached, you've ever uh, shared the gospel with someone, that's proclaiming the gospel. If you're willing to, to share what it means to be saved with someone else or what God did in your life, that is being able to proclaim the gospel. As you do so, you want to use the Bible. You want to use the, the Word because His Word will not return void. Amen? We're thankful that God's Word doesn't come back empty and null and void, but instead it, it, it don't, goes to that which God intends it to. And so we use the Word of God in our preaching. We use the Word of God in our witnessing, and we declare the Word of God concerning Jesus Christ. Well, that's what Stephen did too. And this is one of the greatest messages in all the world is it found in Acts 7. And, and really, if we think about it, this principle is laid out in Romans 10, 17. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. So that's what we want to do. It wasn't just the content, but the fact that the content was biblical and from, from the Word of God. And Stephen is preaching the Word. The Holy Spirit reinforces our faith through the Bible. And so I want to encourage you, know the Word of God, be in the Word of God. And you're here on Wednesday, so that's always encouraging because you're here to uh, hear the Word of God preached. If we're not reading it, our faith will shrink. Our faith will be diminished without the Word. Remember that kid's song? Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll... Thank you. Grow, grow, grow. All right, good, good. So do we need to practice that tonight? Are y'all doing okay? I loved that song growing up. I like to get as tall as I possibly could because I've always been on the short side. But then the negative uh, also happens. Neglect your Bible and uh, forget to pray and you'll shrink, shrink, shrink. You know, we sing that with children, but sometimes as adults we forget that truth, don't we? But it's so simple. The, word of the, the, the spiritual life is not complicated, but it's, it's very simple if we'll just apply the things in the Word of God to our life. And so God tells us, read the Word of God, be in the Word, also be in prayer, be fervent in prayer. And, and if we see this played out in Stephen's life. He's standing, he's preaching Jesus Christ, and he does so on the authority of the Scriptures. We see that his was a uh, scriptural declaration. Now, we also see that he was very faithful to the Word of God. So if you look in Acts chapter 7, verses 2 through 3, we see this, that his message begins with Abraham. And he says in verse 2, Ab uh, The God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Quran. And he said unto him, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and come to the land which I will show thee. And so Abraham was their father. And he sojourned on the basis of a promise made by him uh, to him by the heavenly Father. And he starts simply reminding them of the faith of Abraham, that he trusted in a God he had not seen. In our Sunday series, Journey with Jesus, uh, we'll be back in that this, this Sunday morning. We've seen that Christ often goes back to the patriarchs, and he points, uh, and he points to them saying, they believed in me. Well, that's what uh, now Stephen was doing. He was saying, listen, even Abraham believed in Jesus Christ. He was looking forward to the promises of God. He had faith. He believed in God's promises. Verse number 8, look there in Acts 7 with me. Acts 7 and verse number 8. And it says, And he gave them the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begat Isaac and circum circumcised him the eighth day. And Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat the twelve, twelve patriarchs. 
And so again, we see Isaac and Jacob mentioned. And then verse number 9, look there with me. And the patriarchs moved with envy. They sold Joseph into Egypt. But God was with him and delivered him out of all his afflictions. And so we see here, then there was Joseph. And God protected and provided for Joseph. And God used Joseph in a tremendous way. And all along the way, we see Joseph's life. And he uses Joseph to point again to Christ and the coming Messiah. Now look in verses 20 and 21. We're going to see he looks at Moses in verse 20. In which time Moses was born and was exceeding fair and nourished up in his father's house three months. And when he was cast out of Pharaoh's, uh, when he was cast out, Pharaoh's daughter took him up and nourished him for her own son. Again, we see Moses and, and Moses' life is brought in here. And that's really where he spends quite a bit of time talking about Moses. And Moses recounting uh, all that had, had been done and to them uh, there as they followed the Lord. Well, as we see here, we see even he mentions Moses' prophecies. Look in verses 37 with me. He says, This is that Moses which said unto the children of Israel, A prophet shall the Lord your God raise up unto you of your brethren like unto me, him shall you hear. This is he that was in the church in the wilderness with the angel, which spake to him in the Mount Sinai, and with our fathers who received the lively oracles to give unto us, to whom our fathers would not obey, but thrust him from them, and in their hearts turned back again into Egypt. You see, this entire sermon was built on the scriptures, and it points the way step by step to Jesus Christ to the fact that Jesus is the fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament. Stephen was saying this essentially, you can slander me, you can say whatever you want about my life, uh, but you have the law, you have the prophets, you have the oracles of God, and these testify to the fact that Jesus Christ is the Messiah that would take away the sins of the world. And, and listen, let me just remind you that we tonight hold the very oracles of God in our hand. We are very blessed tonight to be able to have the Word of God complete in the canon of Scripture. All 66 books remind us and point to us the fact that God created us, that God loves us, that even though we sinned against Him, He provides a way of redemption, and His name is Jesus Christ. And when Jesus died on the cross, He rose again the third day and was resurrected so that we too could have hope in a future resurrection. Listen, the whole, the whole Bible was written so that we might be able to regain a relationship with the Lord that was lost in the garden. What a tremendous blessing that we have. And I love what, what, uh, what the Word says in Romans 3, verses 1 and 2. He says, What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way, chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. You see, the Jew was, was advantaged because they have the Word of God. We're advantaged today because we have the Word of God. Did you know that there are people in this, earth, in this world today that still do not hold a copy of the Word of God? Now, albeit, I'll mention that we have been so blessed to see that number shrinking. More and more of the, of the nations and the tribe, tribes around the world are getting the Word of God in their language. But we're still in desperate need of, of men and women that would be willing to give their lives to go to learn a language, to translate uh, that, lang that uh, language or the Word of God into that language so that they could hear and know who Jesus Christ is. 1 Peter 1.23 says, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Why is it that we love God's word? Because it's through the word of God that we have life. 
It's through the Word of God that we know what God, who God is and how we can be saved. And so it's by this word that the gospel is preached. And, and our message, listen, our message is not always popular, is it? Uh, matter of fact, today it's especially not popular. In a, I always found it ironic that the people who scream tolerance are the first ones to, to hang a Christian. But when, when they're the ones that are saying, listen, you have to be tolerant of everything else in the world, but if you preach Jesus and Jesus only, then we're going to hogtie you. If you try to tell us that, it, that there's only two genders in this world, then I'm going to tell you that, that we're going to throw you in jail. If you try to just have church, then we're going to lock you up in prison as they have in Canada. Listen, the, the world is against the message that we have, but that doesn't mean that we quit. It doesn't mean that we stop sharing, but instead it means that we continue. We faithfully say, listen, God, you've called us to this. This is our day, our hour, our moment to be able to propagate the gospel into the world. And so may we have a small part some way in some life to be able to share the gospel with those that are lost. You see, our message is not always popular. Maybe it's not always accepted. It's not always something the world appreciates, but we always want it to be scriptural. I praise God for the men who have stood in this pulpit for the last 50 years. Men that have preached the word of God. Our founding pastor, Don Potter, was one who began this work. And then other pastors, Herschel Burns, Fred Moody, Virgil Greenway, Everett Beatty, Richard McDowell, uh, who led our, our church to buy this property and build our first building. There was J.T. Hogue, uh, Ray Askren, and of course, Pastor Tolbert. Each of these men have faithfully preached the gospel and pro faithfully proclaimed to our community who Jesus is, that there's only one way to heaven, and without him you'll be lost and damned to hell. Listen, Shall we never take away? Shall we never add to the Word of God? We don't need to rewrite it. We just need to reread it. And so I'm thankful that today, that if someone asks, do I have the Word of God? I can tell you that I am confident we have God's Word right here in our hand. And as I open this old King James Bible, I'm thankful that today as a church, we can be able to be confident that we're preaching and teaching the oracles of God tonight. That's what Stephen did. He said, listen, I just, let me just tell you what your own word says. Let me just tell you what the scripture says. You may not believe me. You may not believe my report. But, but listen to the word of God as it's preached. People may reject you. They may reject uh, what we stand for. They may reject a lot of things. But listen, if we preach and teach the word of God, when they stand before the Lord, they will be held accountable for what they say or what they've heard. So may we be faithful to proclaim. Now, let's look at just the essence of the message that, that he shared. First off, we, we see that he talks about the patriarchs. No doubt um, they could have agreed with him, but as he began to teach about Christ, we see that there was a sudden change in their heart. Look in verse number 51. He says, Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers did, so do ye. Man, that's a pretty sharp rebuke, Amen. In verse 52, which of the prophets have not your fathers persecuted? And they have slain them which showed before of the coming of the just one, of whom ye have now been now the betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the disposition of angels and have not kept it. There was a well-established tradition in Judaism that says that the Jewish people were harsh and took the lives of their own prophets. And Stephen's just simply reminding them of their own history. He's saying to them that Jesus is that prophesied just one. 
that Jesus is the one that Moses, the one that Isaiah told them about. He was, he was standing before his detractors and he's using the Bible to point uh, the way to what Jesus did and what he was. Acts chapter 3 and verse 14 says this, But ye denied the holy and the just, the holy one and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. Verse 15 says, And killed the prince of life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof we are witnesses. Listen, this is nothing new. Stephen was just simply declaring the word to them. He, he preached the whole council. He was faithful to the word. My prayer is that no matter people's opinion of our church, no matter if they think uh, we're uh, blowing and going or, or, or dead or quiet or whatever, that they will know that this is a place that they can come to know what the Bible says. That we, like Stephen, will, will for the next 50 years or until Jesus Christ returns, be, be willing to continue to preach the gospel. We're not preaching a political angle. We're preaching Jesus Christ from the Word of God. That's my burden. That's my heart that we continue. But listen, it's, it's, it's the pastor, but it's also each of us that we as a church continue together to preach the truth. The, 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 message, uh, the essence of his message was simply that Jesus Christ was the Lord. May that be our message until our dying breath. May that be our message until, the, until Jesus comes back. But we see he was faithful unto, the, unto death and this is the part that sometimes people wonder over. He was the very first martyr for the Christian faith. If we look in verse number 54 with me, it says, When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed on him with their teeth. If you go back in Christian history, you'll see that though he was the first Christian martyr, he was not the last. The Waldensias, they were chased from, uh, by the Catholic Church, they, often had, they were often speared. They had their babies thrown over cliffs. They're the Albigensians, the French Huguenots, uh, over and again. The, you can go back through history, his, uh, church history and see uh, where those who were faithful to the word were uh, persecuted. They were uh, done everything they could uh, to silence the message. Throughout the years, literally hundreds of thousands have died for their faith. But Stephen was the very first. We can see in verse 54, they already didn't like him. And we saw that in, even in the previous chapter, in Acts chapter 6. They didn't like uh, the blame he pointed out. We see immediately as soon as he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears. He was saying, listen, you're lost. You're undone. You don't really know who God is. In his message, he was, he was calling them the worst he could call them. Now, the only thing the worst he could have called them was a pig eater. I mean, they, he just really threw that in, in their face that they rejected the Lord. Then he says that Jesus was the Messiah. Well, these grown men in their fury and their anger, the Bible says they run to him and they gnash on him with their teeth. That literally means to bite on him. Now, we think about that. and If you start running at me with teeth, teeth bared, I'm running the other direction. Uh, you know, I'm not big, uh, I'm not big on being bit. Uh, and so I'm, I'm going to run the other direction. Now, if you'll ask my kids, they'll tell you that I like to bite them. You know, it's just for fun. You know, we, we have a game that we play sometimes. But listen, if you start coming at me to bite me, I'm leaving. I'm running. Look at verse 55. Let's look here what happened. But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing on the right 
hand of God. Verse 59. And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He wasn't trying to cause trouble. In fact, the Bible said in, in Acts chapter 6, in the very end there, in verse number 15, that they, his face was as a face of an angel. But he simply chose to share Christ. And as a result of just sharing Christ, as a result of sharing truth, they began to stone him. They didn't just throw a, a pebble, but rocks. Rocks that would hurt and harm and eventually kill. And it picked up in ferocity until his life was gone and he gave up the, gross, the, the ghost. Verse number 60 says, And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he'd said this, he fell asleep. Much like our Savior, who when he was, uh, who called out from the cross for the forgiveness, we see this same spirit in Stephen as well. A spirit of grace, a spirit of mercy, a spirit that, listen, I, I just want to be faithful unto the end. And I, and I think about this, this moment in verses number 55 and 56 as we read earlier. That as he was uh, just full of the Holy Spirit here and he looked up into heaven and the Lord let him have just a glimpse of the Lord Jesus Christ there on, uh, just before he was taken up into glory. And I'm just so encouraged by the fact that, that the truth of Psalms 23 and verse 4. Yea, though I walk. Through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Folks, listen, oftentimes we hear of stories of people who on their deathbed, you, you see them reach out for something or a smile or something of that nature. And I can't help but think in my mind that God doesn't give us a, a glimpse of a, re, a reminder as a believer that, listen, you're not going to walk through this journey alone. As you breathe your last, the Lord goes with us. But the reality is if we're going to be faithful if we're going to continue to preach the truth, if we're going to continue to proclaim the gospel in this society and around the world, be ready to suffer. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, Yea, all that will of godly shall suffer persecution. Chief Justice Antonia, I, can't ever, I can never say his name, Antonin Scalia. Somebody else, you can, you can fix it later. He said this, devout Christians are destined to be regarded as fools in modern society. We are fools for Christ's sake. We must pay, pray for courage to endure the scorn of the sophisticated world. Let me ask you this, are you willing to be seen as a fool so that you can be faithful to Christ? Devout Christians for centuries have paid a price. John Bunyan in 1658, he was a Baptist preacher and, and uh, was told it would, uh, he would have to have a license in order to preach. And, and he refused the license, but he continued to preach. And as a result, for 12 years, he remained in prison. And during that time, he wrote The Pilgrim's Progress, which was one of the best-selling book, books of all time. Listen, he suffered. Many, many others. We could, go, we could spend hours literally recounting the lives of Christians who, who gave up everything so that they could continue to preach the gospel. And sometimes we look at these lives and we look at those 12 years locked in prison. We looked at the fact that Stephen was stoned early in his life and his, he gave up his life early in this ministry. And we wonder, wasn't it a waste? Wouldn't it have better been used for him to continue to be preaching? Wouldn't it have been better for John Bunyan to be out with his family, with his children, investing in their lives and, and seeing people saved? And Wouldn't that have been a better solution? God, what are you doing in all of this? And let me just remind you that God used John 
John Bunyan in the, those 12 years, and God used Stephen and his death. And this moment, God used this in a tremendous way. If you look forward in your Bible, actually, if you look uh, backward just a little bit, uh, excuse me, verse number 1 of chapter 8, he says, And Saul was consenting unto his death. Now we look at this, and we... we if you fast forward in your mind or in the text, you can find in Acts chapter number 9, we see Saul of Tarsus yet once again. And it says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went into the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus. And what we see here is that Saul, as he was on his way to Damascus, he found the Lord. In verse number 4, begins to, he begins to share his testimony. And Jesus Christ comes to him and says, Saul, Saul, why per persecutest thou me? And he says in verse number five, he says, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. What was the pricks there? But his conscience that was knocking on him say, you know what Stephen was preaching was true. You know, Saul, that this is the truth of, of what you saw, what you witnessed that day was true. Listen, sometimes we think that these things are for naught, that why in the world would God waste a life? Why in the world would God uh, use his circumstances like this? But listen, God used Stephen's death to win a man to the Lord named Saul who was pricked in his spirit because he witnessed the death of one of God's faithful men who even in his death was willing to say, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. Even in his death, he's willing to say, listen, Jesus Christ is the Messiah. There's only one way to heaven and you cannot get to heaven any other way. None of your rules or rituals or circumcisions None of your laws, none of these things will save you. Only Jesus Christ saves. And as he witnessed Stephen's death that day, God pricked Saul's heart. And Saul later became, uh, became Paul once he was saved. What a tremendous testimony. God used what seems like a hopeless situation, and he used it for something good. Listen. May we be reminded of Romans 8, 28, that God uses the bad circumstances. God uses all circumstances in our life for our good and His glory. And we walk through something, we think, God, what in the world are you doing here? Let me just remind you that we, see a, we serve a God that sees the end from the beginning. When Stephen laid down his life that day, when the church saw Stephen stoned to death that day, there's no doubt some of them said, what is God doing in this moment? Why would he let Stephen die in the midst of all of this? And, and there's no doubt sometimes someone was questioning there. But let me just encourage you, instead of questioning, may we be willing to trust the Lord. May we be willing to say, you know what? God's got a bigger plan. He, when, he's, when he's closing a door, he's opening a window. And we know that God is still on the throne. And even in the midst of all of this, let us be willing to trust him. You see, Stephen's death may seem like a waste, but it wasn't a waste in the eyes of God. God used Stephen in his life and in his death. Just a, just a day or so ago, I got a message from a man named Frank. When Frank's mama went home to be with the Lord, the Lord allowed me to be there with him and his family. And, and we gathered around as she was beginning to breathe her last and I just asked the family, I said, let's pray together. And as we prayed together, his mom breathed her last breath. We said amen, and she was in heaven. And we gathered around, I said, folks, I can't help it, but just want to lift my voice to the Lord with you in this. And we sang in the sweet by and by there by her bedside. And as we... As we sang that together, he reminded me, he says, I'll never forget that moment when my mom went home to be with the Lord. And we were there and we were singing to her and we, we prayed and we sang. And he said, Pastor, let me just tell you, I'm so thankful 
that my mama knew the Lord. And he began to share with me how God was working in his life even through that death. Listen, sometimes we don't always see how God is working. We don't always see the end from the beginning, but we know someone who does. I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who's already there. Father, we come before you tonight. And we can't help but thank you, Lord. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, who died for us. Lord, that we might not just have hope for tomorrow, but we might have life in him today. And God, oftentimes when we read through passages like the book of Acts and we see men like Stephen, we wonder what in the world, God, were you thinking to take a man? But God, I'm reminded that Stephen's life was used in a tremendous way, but his death was used in a great way as well. And God, tonight, as we as your people, we gather close, we ask you, Lord, that you increase our faith. Lord, that as we face circumstances and trials and problems, help us to know that even though we don't, may not know what tomorrow holds, we know who holds tomorrow. And so, Father, help us to put our trust in you. Help us be willing to declare the gospel like we've heard from Stephen. May you, Lord, be blessed by our life and our decisions tonight. In Christ's name. Amen.